Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York, still not able to improvise because uh, I don't understand variants and I'm not willing to put people at risk for my good time. But speaking of a good time, we've got two wonderful guests today that I had the distinct pleasure of seeing their film, 1BR, uh, in the before times. I believe it was October 2019 at the Brooklyn Horror Fest. We are joined today by producer Alok Mishra. Hello, Alok. How are you doing today? Fine. Thanks for having us on. My pleasure. And actress Naomi Grossman is also joining us on the podcast. How are you doing, Naomi? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, thank you for being a part of it. So, yeah, I got to see this movie in Brooklyn at the Nighthawk. Wow. <laughs> Just wow. So immediately after I reached out to Nicole Bryden Bloom, the lead in the film, and she was kind enough to meet with my co-host Chelsea and I in New York and talk about it for about half an hour. And we covered some things on that, but I'm very curious in other perspectives. So uh, Alok, how did this film come across your radar and, and why did you feel you need to be a part of making it into something um, for a wonderful it, audience like me. Uh, well, you know, thank you for the kind words regarding the film in the first place. And uh, the Nighthawk and the Brooklyn Horror Festival was amazing. Uh, the guys that run that, Justin Timmons and Joe Yannick, who are part of like Yellow Veil, are amazing. Uh, I mean, amazing distribution company. One of the only, like, there's not a lot of honest ones, I'll say that. We, we have an honest one in Dark Sky, but a lot of them are, you know, there's looks. 30% that might be honest-ish. And so those guys run a great festival and the Nighthawk was an amazing theater to actually do our East Coast or New York premiere in. And so it was a thing where, uh, sorry, my mother is coming in the room apparently. <laughs> I got here early. Um, no, sorry. Um, uh, it was an amazing festival to premiere at and um, it was really a kind of an East Coast homecoming because Nicole is from there and uh, my wife is from there and my wife's Here's, here's how it came about. This is the answer to your question. My wife went to high school with Allard Cantor, who's David Marmer's manager. Uh, they, him and his partner, Jared Murray, work at Epicenter. And uh, we um, had one of those douchebag LA lunches where you talk about yourselves and all the projects you're working on. And essentially, um, what came out of that lunch was uh, send me some kind of elevated horror scripts. And he sent me uh, Tragedy Girls, if you've seen that movie. Great I film. I love it. And, and he sent me 1BR. And I didn't read it for six months. And to my, in my defense, uh, A, I'm a douchebag in terms of reading things sometimes, but also I'm very busy with other things. And so what happened was I was working on a project, it fell through. And then I finally read the script six months later and I was like, okay, holy shit, Tragedy Girl is really great, but I will never do a horror comedy because it's just a tough thing to market. It's a tough thing to kind of put together because you know the horror fans don't think it's horrible enough and the comedy fans think it's too horrible or whatever it is. So I said, listen, it's a pass on that one. They're like, oh, it's okay. We just See, finished filming You got that. me right in the middle there that's open to both. Well, no, no, it, it's all good. But the problem is, I find, it's like you get one good one a year, mm -hmm. right? Like that's all you get. And, and that sucks in terms of our percentage of like movies that are successful. 
that sucks. And Tragedy Girls, as, as good as it was, it was, a, it was a really tough road to hope for that movie. And when I told him, like, listen, it's a pass on Tragedy Girls, they were like, oh, yeah, we just finished shooting that last week. And I was like, <laughs> okay, what the fuck do I know then, right? So then um, I, I was like, well, 1BR I loved. And I really want to meet with the director, writer-director, David Marmer, who's like a genius. This guy is so smart, so, like, just a nice person, to be honest. And um, so I met with him. Uh, we hit it off. We had the same sort of sensibilities. I was like, well, you're a first-time uh, writer-director. I'm a first-time uh, producer, with, along with my uh, partner, Shane Borister. And also, Allard and also Jared from Epicenter, his, his managers are also producers on the film. So we're all first-time producers. What could go wrong? Everything! Yes, yeah, so that's Naomi always makes that, that cute. Yes, everything. Everything, everything that go can go on will go wrong. But, you know, speaking of... As uh, you know, the day job prior to the pandemic was you know set dressing and props. You will frequently hear someone say, "Don't worry about it. We got it. It's going to be great. It's going to look great." <laughs> so, so, did both of you have much of a relationship uh, with horror prior to this? I know Naomi was in Fear Inc. prior to this, which is a film I love, and we'll get into. But do you have that deep? love that I and so many of the community do inside you when you're just cuddling up and want to watch something spooky because you can't leave your house much like uh, Nicole's character couldn't leave the apartment complex. I would say, I mean, I don't want to speak for a look, but I do know that, yes, he is, he's a hardcore horror fan. I, on the other hand, and like I said, I'll let him answer for himself, but I, I'm, you know, I'm one of those, like, if you love me, I'll love you back. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really exposed to a whole lot of horror growing up. Um, there were, I was invited to a few slumber parties where I watched, you know, like this. Um, but, it, you know, it was honestly anything that wasn't really highbrow culture was kind of frowned upon in, at the Grossman's home. Um, and so uh, I, you know, I was a theater major in college. I, you know, I... To, I learned Ibsen and Chekhov and all the all the classics, um, and uh, really, I always fancied myself a comedian only because I figured this business is so hard. You know, I was glad to have that sort of um, very um, broad background as far as you know theater and 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 it, it was concerned. But um, I just thought, you know, it's if I can just find my niche, like find that one thing I'm good at and just do that as opposed to cast my net super wide. Um, and so quite honestly, I didn't really give horror much, much mind. I didn't give drama much mind. I didn't give anything that wasn't really kind of, you know, sketch comedy, a whole lot of attention. Um, and and then, uh, but it's not to say I didn't, you know, have an agent who didn't, you know, call me for stuff. And sure enough, um, I guess my real first kind of entree into horror was when I got first cast in American Horror Story. And again, that was just, you know, that was just my agent at the time kind of answering a breakdown. They needed somebody four to five feet tall. And I barely, you know, I barely squeaked by uh, and, uh, you know, went in for that audition. Um, 
But again, I, I, I know I've been busted by um, friends before for saying that was my first drama audition. And they're like, what? We, we were it, it, like in drama school with you. We remember the drama you did. Like you're, you're full of it. And they're right. I did, you know, I'd done plenty of drama before, but um, this, uh, you know, Pepper was sort of the comedic, um she was like the the comic relief in a lot of asylum with a, a season not known for its great comic relief um but you know my job was hard in that um let's face it this like for someone who had done you know improv and and comedy uh where so much of our, our job is to make fun. And yet microcephaly, which is of course the, um, the disease after which, you know, which Pepper suffers from is not a joke. Like it's a real thing and I, I needed to do it justice. And, um, and I really, I, I woke up in sweats sometimes. So <laughs> um, not sweatpants, like actual right. wet <laughs> sweats. Um, uh, because I, I worried about how the, you know, disabled community might uh, take this and, and, and would I be uh, accused of making fun or, or, or taking someone else's role? And, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent, but um, oh, good. basically the good news is uh, the, the disabled community has 100% embraced me. Uh, the drama community too, the horror fans forget about it. I mean, I'm in a, a room here surrounded by, you know, fan art, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, and since that, I've never looked back. Like I'm, I'm all about horror. Like, absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. You know, <laughs> I like that. It's, it's the Wu-Tang philosophy of we got love for those that got love for us. Yeah. So what about you? Well, I was always drawn to very dark things as a child. Uh, I was into like very macabre things. And uh, the other thing I did before I started producing films is I did uh, market research for film. I tested movies for a living. Mm. So I tested movies for all the different studios here in town as well as independents. And um, I was always a horror movie guy. So it was like, all right, there's a theater. I live in the Valley now. Actually, I'm in the Valley right now. And there was a theater called the Winneka Theater, and Pacific Winneka. And unfortunately, this theater is a, a victim of COVID, uh, the whole theater chain. In fact, the Arclight, which is a great theater we have here in LA, all gone. But this one theater, they would test everything from like, um, it would basically be like, oh gosh, like Wes Craven is testing a movie here this week. And then like, you know, Juan, James Juan is testing a movie here this week. I mean, he's like now kind of a classic filmmaker in that regard, let's say. Um, but it'd be like, everyone would come to this one theater and stuff. And I'd be there at that one theater. T.I., T, you know, Ty West, uh, whoever, right? Like, uh, you're doing your next, or we're doing Frozen, or we're doing whatever, right? So I'd always be at this theater, like, I mean, three nights out of my week, let's say, testing movies. And so again, drawn to it from a very young age and secondly really just into it like i i i'm a top 50 horror movies even now that i i do every year that people are like oh my gosh i want you to come on and talk about it on your show because like your list is great and i'm like well, i don't know i love i love horror you know mm -hmm. and, we, and we like to make horror we like to make elevated horror that's the thing we don't want to just make i mean i love slashers too don't get me wrong but we want to make more thinking man's horror movies if we can that's sort of our missive of our um our uh, production company which is called malevolent films by the way that explains a lot because I, I frequently said uh, sometimes heart makes up for budget 
in horror movies. And you know, something uh, you can tell isn't the hundred million dollar budget kind of thing, but you can tell there's love in there. Kind of like you know, when you, when you get some some really good food that you know the secret ingredient is love. Gonna let you in on a little secret. If you ever had food made by somebody that's kind of angry while they're making it, doesn't taste good. But with this film, I could tell there was also amongst the scares, the feeling of dread, the the feeling of uncertainty, uh, the unfortunate demise of the cat. Um, there's some emotional moments in there, like in talking with Nicole of how her character has to get her father to leave, otherwise they're gonna waste them. And so she has to be just obscenely cruel, but lovingly so, just to save his life. That, that dichotomy there does something to a viewer that sometimes might uh, uh, get lost on those that aren't willing to get as deep into the thinky spooky as some others would, but yeah. Well, that's that's one of the best scenes of the movie. You're speaking oh, yes, of absolutely. like uh, that's a great scene. And then and then Naomi and I was talking about how like Clayton Hoff, who plays Lester, is actually just so understated and really great in the movie too. He has like such a great presence, and and also his scenes are so strong and really kind of tied together. And and speaking of what you're speaking, like you know, like you talk about cooking cooking a meal, let's say, right? Cooking a, mm. a stew, let's say. Look, Indian food takes a long time to cook. It's a lot of trouble to cook, right? And in this film, for example, like we shot for 15 days initially, and then we realized we, we hadn't quite gotten the secret sauce right. And so we had to go back for four days of reshoots and stuff. And like, you know, as much as we shot the first part uh, end of 2017 for 15 days, we couldn't get the band back together, so to speak, until 2018, right? And in September of 2018. And it was a thing where it was a mess where like, Amy Grossman had been nominated for uh, an Emmy. How often do you get nominated for an Emmy? But like that one week of four days, like, it, it's like she should have been going to parties. She, she should have been like living her life, her best life. And, and, and she actually came back, such a, such a great friend, such a, a, a team player. She came back to actually do those four days and not to get to go to a gifting suite to get a, get a, get a trip to Barbados and uh, you know, uh, whatever it was. So she did it, she did it. And she was just like, you bastard, look, this is my time to shine. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We squandered Janice though. We squandered her. We basically kind of played the, like, you know, the actors sort of- They like, did squander me. Then we, we did, we did. But then in getting they, her they back, we, we, we of course told her that we squandered her and we needed to put more Janice in, even though we put in just a little bit more Janice. <laughs> It's a, a bastard uh, move, bastard producer move. I'll grant you that, but uh, she, but but and I, I think she'll admit this too. She she's an architect's daughter, and she knew that the script had good bones, right? It had a good good <laughs> good you know backbone, and so she knew that it was going to be something smartly so. And so she came back like a trooper, did the whole thing. Comes on all these podcasts even a year later because she believes in the project, and she's such a, a huge. Um, team player for this entire thing also like has you know some points on it obviously as well and realizes that you know i mean I, i'm not speaking for you but i mean you're so great naomi and thank you for coming back during the emmys and my, my point of all of it was that like a like a like a, a like a nice lamb vindaloo it's got to simmer it's got to become what it is and we were fine to like wait until it became what it was Thankfully, because we weren't worried about getting our money back. I mean, I may have mortgaged and already pay off house or something. Allegedly, I don't know. But 
I'm just going to say we were more kind of concerned with making a good movie than putting out something that was substandard. And the reshoots clearly helped us get to that place. We shot like two alternative endings, for example. I can't tell you what the other one's about. But uh, the point being that we got the kind of moments, the cinema moments that you need to kind of become a little bigger film than what, you're, what you are in terms of your budget. And it was so helpful and thank God we did it because like we kind of trusted ourselves and, and whatever else. And we trusted our cast to be helpful and come back and blah, blah, blah. And it all worked out, frankly. It, 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 and speaking of uh, uh, cast and crew being helpful and coming back, and we talked about this a little bit with Nicole, but I love this story. It's the story that you told in Brooklyn about a truck getting stolen. <laughs> Because again, working on New York crews, I don't think there's a New York PA that would have done what you said this PA did. Well, you know, so, you know, you know, you know, who's in love with this uh, particular individual? This, this, uh, we call him the handsome felon, is uh, Naomi Grossman. So I feel like this is really this is her story to tell. All right. right. All right. Well, I will. I but I'm going to agree with our host here. Uh, but the the crazy thing is. He, what his, um, at the end, after it all, and I'm going to tell the story, but afterwards, Alok went to the this PA uh, who did this uh, a brave, honorable thing uh, of basically following a truck that was being stolen with all our, you know, production equipment. Alok asked him, what can I do for you? What can I give you? The guy wanted gift certificates to McDonald's. <laughs> Like that's what I really don't get. Like, I, I, I I was like, like, can we give you In and Out certificates? Because like In and Out substantially better. I mean, it's like you know, in the East Coast, like you know, Shake Shack is sort of the I don't know the lesser version of In and Out. I think personally, but uh, the guy was like, no, no, no. I just I want McDonald's, and I was like, well, shit. The heart wants what the heart wants. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the story goes like this: there was a night when uh, you know the. Uh, we had a PA basically babysitting our um, production trucks. Pretty and much. sure enough, three trucks. Uh, and sure enough, in the middle of the night, uh, one of them came, uh, or rather, uh, basically a truck stealing ring uh, came and, and, and drove away with one of our trucks. And uh, this PA uh, ended up uh, following it. And you have to imagine, again, if you've uh, if you're not local local to LA, you've probably at least seen um, OJ driving down the 405 freeway, you know, in his white Bronco. Well, in this case, imagine uh, uh, one of our production trucks followed by this, you know, brave McDonald's loving production assistant. And he got out, got out of the truck. There's three trucks. He was in the middle truck. He got out of the truck, got into his Honda and gave pursuit. And then got on the phone with the police. And now let me anyway, continue. And then the <laughs> cops were, of course, like, stand down. And he's like, I will not stand down. Not until you get behind this truck. There's so street sure justice enough, to be done. Street eventually justice. Eventually, they, they, <laughs> the squad cars uh, surrounded the, the truck. Uh, this all happened kind of way down, uh, actually near Lelok's alma mater, USC. Oh. Um, and, uh, I mean, this was all on the news like you could actually if you watch the nightly news that night you'd see not only our truck being stolen but the best part the part that belongs on cops uh 
who gets out of the, the truck that's being stolen, but the most gorgeous felon ever. Like I've not, you couldn't cast a more gorgeous villain. In fact, if you were casting a, a felon, you'd probably be like, no, too pretty. Like he's gonna be like sodomized in prison. We can't do that. So, um, <laughs> and believe you me, if I were in prison with him, I would. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say the other the other part of it is that it, it, it to her point it was televised actually it was actually on like the news and it's actually on the uh, Blu-ray the American uh, North American uh, Blu-ray uh, it's on there it's uh, during our Fantasia um, uh, Q and A uh, we showed everyone the footage and everyone was like and the, the here's the thing we didn't tell anybody this happened. Like we like had all this kind of backup from it. Let's say we, we, but we, the partner that we had with the truck, like got another truck in there and we got all the equipment out of that one. Cause this guy had ruined the engine, trying to gun it and run from the police and everything. And he got caught like at a Chevron slash McDonald's and, and they, they changed everything over and we were only delayed by one hour. And we didn't tell David Marmer, the writer director, we didn't tell anybody pretty much like the producers knew didn't tell anybody and so we were only delayed an hour we just told everybody hey listen uh there's some other delays just spend an hour extra in bed and uh, come come to set this time and everyone was like oh this is this is great yeah it was awesome and then we didn't tell the actors weirdly some of them we told but some of them i mean i don't think 90 percent of them we didn't until fantasia when they just saw it on the screen and they just learned of it and they were like what <laughs> this is why physical media is important for extras like this yes and let me tell you it's worth it for the for anyone on the fence about buying the Blu-ray, this extra, huh, it is it pays for itself. You'll I'm telling you, you'll well, you'll uh, want this. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with Naomi, but I also think this too. Like, look, uh, we live in a media world where, you know, if you have to stream it, stream it, but hey, buy it. And I will tell you why. It's not available on Netflix right now. We'll come to, you know, uh, it's not right now. And so for your Halloween viewing, if you want to show it to friends, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, um, like Vudu, all the usual streaming uh, sites, uh, sorry, the VOD sites you'd expect, it's available. And I, I tell you what, I think it's like $9.99 or whatever it is right now. I, I feel like by the end of this conversation, you're just going to be like, I got to fucking see this movie, hopefully. And, and if you do... You need to see this handsome felon is what you need. I'm that's true, you. too. I mean, it's like Blu-ray or, you know, fucking streaming. Either way for us, it doesn't make a difference, but I think it's something worth having. And it's something worth having because you, I think you will, you will show it to friends. You will show it to friends and you will watch it probably multiple times is my guess. Well, I, I know around the October, that's when all the streamings overload on horror and some some of them they, they get a little too lean throughout the year for my liking but that's me now before i ask naomi some other questions um because i've heard stories about people doing this have, have you found out the name of this gorgeous felon and perhaps written him and wherever he's uh written him in prison somewhere yeah well here's the thing um and actually alo can probably tell this part he he owes what, what's the deal? He owes restitution. Yes. Um, and actually, it's funny. Like, after we did our NAMI, our last podcast, I was like, yeah, now I'm fucking wondering about this. So I wrote the producer who was, in, uh, who was communicating with the DA. And I wrote him. And I was like, what's going on with this? Like, I don't think I've ever seen any money. Here's what it was. This guy was part. He was, he was new. He was new in this, like, truck-stealing ring that had never been caught before. Right? And so we're like, oh my gosh, this is kind of weird. Like he got cut into this life of crime. Maybe he was some 
handsome boy from Wyoming trying to work, you know, trying to make his way in Hollywood and he just couldn't do it and he got to pay his bills somehow. So he had the skill set that was amazing and like he's going to do this thing. And so all we know at this point is that I, I we reached out to the DA to kind of figure out what happened. I'm hoping that he didn't like he supposedly was turning states as evidence and going to pay us restitution. Now, I'm hoping that the ring didn't get to him and like shit him or something or murder him in jail or who knows i mean i'm hoping that didn't happen to the handsome felon because i have what this can fan- i do i have this fantasy in my head that he is going to i mean you know spoiler alert janice is still alive janice needs a new husband or, or a new love interest i mean maybe it's like how janice got her groove back i mean the, the yeah one- janice just needs to rebound we don't need to yeah it doesn't have to be deep one br the chronicles of janice may cover exactly what has happened to to Janice and how the handsome felon, if he's an actor, could come in and be my monkey butler and work for free because he fucking owes me money or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And also maybe be my monkey, my real monkey butler, or maybe Jan- I mean Naomi's monkey butler, lover. I mean, not we, whatever. We, I'm just we saying can, that we, negoti- restitutions can be negotiated through I mean, the court. Yes. Uh, I mean, have you seen how good looking she is right now? Like, I mean, we're, we're, I know uh, this is like video. Video, not video, but I'm telling you, you should make this video, by the way. I mean, he'd be very lucky to be her monkey, monkey butler, if we're just being honest. I mean, like, she's, she's like, look at the shoulder. I mean, amazing, amazing stuff here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not creative uh, as far as writing goes, but I'll just pitch an idea. Just part of the 1BR universe, not necessarily. Because this, by its own, based on true events stories, could work. But if you want to tie it in to him coming into the complex, that's another story. But yeah, speaking of one, we are uh, Naomi. Um, how did you feel when you first uh, read it and were th- uh, in consideration to play Janice? Um, I remember reading it like maybe March of uh, twenty seventeen, and then we shot it at the end of the year twenty seventeen. Uh, and then we came back for those, you know, famous reshoots, Emmy weekend, 2018. Um, yeah, I remember really enjoying it. Like I, as Alok said, I, I'm, a, I really, I believe in the blueprints. And if you have, if you're, if, if the blueprints hold, then the house probably will stand. If they don't, then it probably won't. So I, I saw a good movie, you know, um, I could imagine, I could imagine what it would actually look like. And I wanted to be in it, um, but not so fast um, because even though I, you know, Alok and I are dear friends from, for l- the last like 20 years, um, I, I gave him pretty much my blessing and said, yeah, I love it. Like put me in coach. Um, and, and, you know, the way he tells it, like, having my blessing meant a lot and that he you know i was part of the reason like he was like okay well then good we it's it's not just me other people like it too and um and that was part of what kind of uh gave it the you know the oomph the, the that green light go that blessing that it, he apparently needed uh cut to december of that year uh i get a call with an audition and i'm like audition like of all, and listen, I audition all the time. I'm not, it's not to say that I'm above that at all. Um, I've got two to crank out after we say goodbye today. But 
you know, this is my good, my dear friend. Like, why am I, why does he need me to audition? Now, now in retrospect, I get it. It was just a technicality. He needed me to meet David Marmer, the writer, director. Um, And for that matter, they were sort of in between a couple roles, trying to figure out where to put me. So I do get it. But you have to imagine from my perspective, getting a phone call from my agent. So not a loke at all, but rather like my people, you know, with a audition. Um, and then I've got to like prepare multiple roles. And I'm like, what? Um, and, but, it, but not only that, but when I walked into the audition, um, because it's a low budget film, um, which low budget just means, you know, since there's not a lot of money to uh, throw at various problems, it means, uh, you know, if you don't have money, it takes time or it takes work, right? And so you need people like Alok uh, who are having to wear a bunch of hats, which had it been a, a, a huge budget movie, then, you know, you'd let other, let other people wear those hats. <laughs> but in this case, uh, Alok was the reader. That is the person reading opposite uh, the actor, me. Um, and uh, that was interesting. You know, Alok and I have played many a night of drunken trivial pursuit, uh, which um, is not easy uh, and, and, and difficult for reasons you would not suspect. For example, Alok, Alok has this ability to read in such a jacked up way. You might even know the answer to a question, but the way he reads it, like you have actually no idea what he just said at the end of it, you know, but he did technically read the words in the, in, in the order that they were written. So, you know, there's really no excuse. And uh, anyway, I've been losing trivial pursuit to him for 20 years because of his like jacked up way of reading and here I am in this audition like sweating bullets like oh my god did Alok not get the memo that like this is not true of their pursuit like he is actually we're supposed to be on the same side he (laughs) wants me to get this you know what I mean like why is he trying to screw with me anyway in his defense, that was not a job he wanted to be doing there were a lot of jobs he didn't want like really he really just wanted to be like a big fancy producer sitting in Video Village, like watching watching playback. Instead, they were, yeah, with a cigar. Yeah. Uh, instead, you know, they were constantly like throwing him in, uh, asking him to, you know, put your shirt inside out. You're not supposed to wear labels. Like, didn't you know you were gonna be in this movie? And he's like, no, I didn't know I was gonna be in this movie. Like, I wanna be a real producer. I mean, the fact is he is a real producer. Like, that's the beauty of it. Like he's, he cut his teeth like in, in hard on this movie um, because he realized like just how much it takes to to do, how much, um, how much needs to get done. And he got it done. I mean, down to, like I said, reading in the casting room to you know being an extra in the movie i challenge i know this is not video but uh i would uh recommend any listeners to google our fearless producer uh alok mishra and uh to memorize that face then go back to one br pour yourself like a zima or something like kind of weak and um and drink every time you see alok you will be drunk by the end of this movie. I'm telling you, he's all over it. 
I, I, it's, I did. It, it sounds like Alok has a history of hoodwinking you from the re from the audition to the reshoots. <laughs> It's true. Oh, well, my well, God. Well, we, we, we did go out for we, we, we did go out for drinks. I just keep right falling for it. You're we, like we, my Lucy. I'm I'm Charlie Brown, and you keep putting the football, and I keep going for it. I, I'm not going to say that's Damn not true. You. I'm not going to say that's not true. However, I will say <laughs> that we did take you to drinks afterwards, and you did at that point know that this whole thing was not a hoodwink, but it was, you know, you, you got the part. They, just want, they, wanted, they wanted you to meet David, and we also wanted to do the right thing, go through your agents and stuff, so you felt like it was like a real thing. It's not a friend's thing or whatever. So you, I feel like it was kind of justified. My reading is terrible, by the way, and, and I'm sorry because I do, you know, read it like uh, I speak sometimes, which is kind of punctuated with different blasts of things, I suppose. Uh, so anyway, she's not wrong. Uh, I do try to fool her in trivial pursuit, the drunken trivial pursuit, grant you that all the time. But anyway, so I hope I hope we answered your question. <laughs> you got to get competitive when you're playing games with your friends and speaking as the sober straight edge one amongst my group of friends, when they're all drunk, it's really easy to beat them. But I always get accused of cheating, especially if we just opened the game and played it for the very first time. Somehow, I've managed to cheat. I'm not above cheating at a game, but they give me too much credit for underhandedness when it's just I will sober. say, Lucy never took Charlie Brown out for a beer after he, you know, they are went children, to that football man. and did it. So. They are children. They, you cannot ply them with alcohol, not even when they're in the pumpkin patch. <laughs> I want to switch gears a little bit because I also love Fear Inc., like I said. So between 1BR and Fear Inc., the characters you play, while you don't look like the most physically imposing uh, woman of stature, the characters have an intensity that make it look like you will throw hands and you should not be fucked with. <laughs> so how do you convey that level of intimidation because <laughs> he's because just talking to you now you're a very pleasant person where where do you go to to bring out some and what are your thoughts on fear Inc. in general yeah that's interesting that you say that um it's true i'm five feet of fun i am not imposing at all um you know no one is physically afraid of me uh but yes i don't i don't know what that is it's weird how certain people put off certain things and um i've definitely gotten that before people even though like you said i'm a very pleasant person um people have, i've definitely gotten like you're intimidating you're um strong and uh, a kind of a force uh I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, um, that's cool. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how, you know, certain personalities, like, I like, it's true. Like, honestly, Nicole, I don't want to say Nicole is Sarah because, you know, it is a character, but it's true. She does have kind of a quiet, introspective, introverted kind of wallflower, quality um softness let's say yeah mm -hmm. softness so you know it's true that we do sort of just project this thing and um 
and it I'm, I'm sure obviously it uh, it is it um, our, our casting is reflected by it. Um, I loved doing Fear Inc. I think I think it's a really fun movie myself. Uh, I know Alok has said that you know uh, comedy horrors are hard to do, but I think that's one that really really works. Um, uh, uh, the the team uh, lone suspect that behind that um, movie the the writer director uh, team is great and uh, um, yeah they that was a, a fun it was another just a uh, cool group of people and uh, also very strong script and um, yeah, it was fun being kind of a, you know a badass like a henchwoman. Yeah, you know well, cutting like, cutting throats and you know yeah. You're 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 like the muscle in that, and because even looking at you the way you are now, if you just put your hair up like you have in that movie and went with that posture, I'd cross the street. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do love that film because I relate a lot to the main character, except for the drugs and alcohol. I would be that person. And have gone into like, you know, haunted house attractions with a big smile on my face and saying how much fun it is and blowing up people's spots by looking scare actors behind me and saying, yeah, don't freak out. There's somebody right behind us. <laughs> Somebody's going to pop out of that coffin. <laughs> Just give them time, give them time. <laughs> well, but it's true. Like, I mean, honestly, especially right now, we're coming into October, Halloween. You know, there's so many freaking psychos out there like what is the percentage of people working in haunted houses and you know that are actually of stable mind like it's probably like it's actually quite likely that one of those people at this point jumping out of you is actually a an actual axe murderer so um i guess what i'm saying is it's uh i i think that movie is relatable uh i think it could happen uh i think it's um it does appear appeal to uh those you know it's 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 i think when we can imagine like oh my god that could happen to me like i know i actually rented a one bedroom and was you know kind of all alone with nothing but a cat i never had a cat but you know what i mean in los mm -hmm. angeles like i I was Sarah at one one time in my life. Like, I uh, I've never actually hired a a company to scare me. But yeah, I've absolutely um, walked into a freak show or gone to a haunted house, like hoping to you know see what happens. Um, so yeah, I, I think these are real. Uh, the, the, you know relatability is part of the secret sauce i think for these movies and all agreed. movies for that matter agreed agreed if it, if it resonates personally with an audience member you, you feel it a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. and, and speaking of feeling it uh, uh i've seen some some tweets uh from the 1br account about a sequel so is there any truth to that or are you or are they just messing with us Hello, can you speak on They're that? probably messing with us. Just saying, that's not football. No. No, 
they're not messing with you. And mm. uh, you know, I'm not saying that I run the account, but other people will do in addition to me. We are minion, as they say. Yes. Um, but uh, no, there's definitely going to be a sequel. Um, definitely. Just, uh, yes, 100%. Okay. Uh, I think that, you know, there's enough awareness and, and sort of, I mean, you know, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and, uh, you know, definitely enough fan love that want to see where this universe sort of, you know, builds to. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely got going to happen. Uh, hundred percent. Uh, we're just trying to figure out how many there may be and, uh, and what they could be. Right. And that's all I can say about it. I, I, uh, I understand that completely. We can't reveal too much and violate contracts. And I wouldn't ask him, I like to go into something as cold as possible. I just need to know a title well, it's, and it's a, a thing, release it's a, date. It's, it's a thing where we try to J.J. Abrams the shit out of everything, uh, so you don't know what's in the box, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you may pay to see what's in the box, though. That's sort of what it is uh, in that regard. Yeah. So we, it, it, there's definitely gonna be something. Can't say anything about it. That uh, that's because there's just in my imagination, there's a lot of ways you can go for it. You can do the sequel that picks up immediately where the previous film left off, or just go back to the complex and have a whole new story where some of those characters come back and different things happen either way i want to be there whenever it happens whenever it's uh uh available to see but um you know these being the times that they are not only figuring out whether or not you have the money to make it happen it's keeping it safe for everybody cast and crew included um so uh what are some of the things that you've noticed not necessarily on this sequel but just in Los Angeles being part of productions, the precautions taking place on set. Um, well, <laughs> I, I know everything's that much more expensive uh, just because these protocols are not cheap. Um, I, uh, you know, I didn't work for really any of 2020 just because I, there, there was some going on, but not a whole lot of production in LA. Uh, then um, come 2021, I found things to sort of start to pick up a lot, a lot more. Um, I I did Horror Stories, the new spinoff series on American Horror Story, um, and uh, that was in April, May. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's interesting. They have um, you know somebody there to take your mask the the minute right as they're doing last looks <laughs> mask off you know basically once they you know uh hit that slate it's uh mass off and then the minute they call call cut masks on and that goes for everybody even people like even people doing intimate scenes which i didn't have any but Still, I, I knew that there were people, you know, with their tongues in each other's mouths, but they still had the masks on and off the second they, you know, they called, they called uh, cut and action. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, you know, you're, you're testing all the time. You're testing every day you're on set um, and every three days if you're not on set. So, I mean... To, to do one dumb episode, well, dumb episode, great episode. I was thrilled mm -hmm. to be there. But, you know, one episode, I must have tested, you know, and that was over two weeks' time. I must have tested 
10 times. It's like, oh, it's crazy. But hey, they're being careful. And I guess that's however to make it happen. Like I sure I'd much rather than be careful and be back to work than just, you know, waiting indefinitely. I, I, I agree. I haven't had any work from uh, my union call in because New York, I assume the protocols are a little different, but I'd be happy to get a call and like, all right, we need somebody to like squirt some stuff on it and wipe everything down. And I don't care how long it takes. Just I'll do it. I'll be happy. I'll wear my mask all damn day. Because <laughs> before everybody was uh, making fun masks, like, you know, the kind that you can just order off the internet and have sent to the house. I'd have like the little, not like the full medical grade one, but you know, like we had some leftover from after we were caring for my grandmother several years back, but I got to make it fun. So I ordered some Halloween masks to just put over them for myself. And uh, if you've not gone grocery shopping, wearing a Michael Myers mask <laughs> and it's April, you've not lived. That's awesome. I'm eyeing my pepper mask thinking, wow, I can't believe it's been sitting there this entire time and I could have been rocking it. You should have been. The uh, next time I hit Trader Joe's, I'm I'm going to I'm going for it. See, you you put the mask underneath to protect others and then you put the one on top just for you. <laughs> Why not? Yes. No, that's great. That's great. I, I, you know, listen, I, didn't, I haven't had really much production experience because I haven't had to shoot anything during COVID, frankly. But I was going to go back to Naomi's project that she did, the American Horror Stories mm -hmm. on Hulu. Um, her episode's the best episode. I'm just going to put go on record saying that. And not only because she's amazing in it, but our good friend Eduardo Sanchez got to direct it, who I'm doing a project with. And uh, so anyways, I, it's, I, I kind of found out from both ends, like uh, she kind of maybe mentioned a little bit, like uh, maybe I'm kind of maybe involved with something over there. I can't say much about it. And I was like, well, I have a friend. I think he's directing an episode. And she's like, wait, when is he directing the episode? And so we kind of figured out maybe they were in the episode together. And so we had, went and had tacos together. And Eduardo Sanchez, of course, Blair Witch, everything else, he's an amazing director. Um, we get to have a great meal and have tacos and go swimming at Naomi's house afterwards and they get to talk shop a little bit about like what movies like she should watch for the episode like Cannibal Holocaust and stuff oh. like that so like you know it was a fortuitous like tacos meeting I thought and and, and at the end of the day and in, in my humble yet sometimes correct opinion the very best episode of that entire season and the second season has been greenlit and uh, hopefully uh, they will both come back to do some interesting stuff in it. But our listeners yeah. can look out for that. So as we, we land this plane shortly, if you got anything you want to plug, any social medias, tell the people where they can find you if they want to find you. Sure. I'm at Naomi W. Grossman on all platforms. It's easy to find. I'm verified. So look for the blue check mark. Make sure it's not an imposter. Um, other than um, other than horror stories, what do I have coming up? Oh, well, I did another movie in COVID uh, called Replica. Um, it's another uh, low-budget film, although it does uh, have a cameo with um, Mickey Rourke, nice. which is exciting. I'm pretty sure he took all the money. Uh, <laughs> that's why it's low-budget. It, it was a big-budget movie till he came around. No, but... Um, yeah, so that we did just a couple of weeks ago now. Um, 
which means I have no idea when we'll actually see it. Um, uh, but still, uh, that's that's somewhere down the pipeline. Um, and then, of course, the thing that's really kept me sane and uh, busy during COVID, other than um, these podcasts for One VR, and of course my yoga cult that I go to quite religiously, uh, but is my own one woman show um, entitled American Horror Story, W-H-O-R-E. So uh, yeah, that's an autobiographical anthology of um, stories of self-compromise. So uh, (laughs) You'll learn, you'll learn all about Pepper, or rather Naomi. Um, Pre-Pepper, post-Pepper, becoming Pepper. It's kind of all the stories. It's all the things that you'd want to ask in a Q&A at a Comic-Con, only these stories are like really well curated. And like, I've literally like sought out every answer, like down to like the, uh, the. Uh, the not only that but the stories uh, you will not believe like it's it's so much more than you uh bargain for pepper is not she's she's a whole lot more than you ever thought so keep an eye out for that i don't know when and where and how that's going to be happening but uh you know I, it could be anywhere from a you know sell it to a streaming service as a one one hour comedy special to you know maybe it'll it'll be on a a theater in New York or, or, or here for that matter. Um, you know, I don't know at this point, anything, um, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all feels very impossible right now, but it's all possible. So I'm, um, we'll just, time will tell. We're all making it up as we go along and we'll get through That's it. Right. Stick together. What about you, Alok? Where can people find you if they want to find you? Um, you know, we're pretty low key. One uh, br underscore film uh, is what we're trying to basically on Twitter, for example, and I think uh, Instagram. But we don't really follow. We don't. We do stuff on Instagram, but it's not as much as we should, I would say. But uh, you know, we're on Facebook as well. You look up one br film, you'll see it. Um, but um, in terms of uh, future projects, um, we're working. We have a, a, a film that we are. Uh, working on, I can't say much about. I tried to JJ Abrams the shit out of everything, but I will say it's a sci-fi horror movie. Uh, Marcel Sarmiento, who did the movie Dead Girl, is the uh, writer-director. If you've never seen Dead Girl, I think it's on Shutter still, um, mm-hmm. but uh, well worth your time to watch. It's very disturbing. Um, but that film should be very cool. And we're working on another movie with David Marmer, which you can't say a goddamn thing about. One of those things again, but it's a. Uh, um, going to be very interesting, and then the sequel for One BR, uh, which is not called Two BR, by the way. Everyone always wants to think it's going to call be called Two BR, but it's not. It'll be called One BR colon something, just because we want to have the branding. There, this time right? it's personal. This well, time, uh, actually, this, this, uh, this time there's pets allowed. This time there's uh, an extra bathroom. It's One BR two bath. Uh, or, when in doubt, you know, go with the greatest sequel post colon thing ever, Electric Boogaloo. That's a great one, uh, but in terms of horror, for example, The Purge has had a, a hundred different iterations. Let's say our paranormal activity has as well. Uh, so anyway, I, I think you know what I'm saying about this. The other thing about it too, it's weird. Certain cable systems or VOD systems, uh, they uh, do alphabetical, but then they also do numbers before alpha- alphabet. And so it's the thing. Well, one br will always be like the top of the list, unless it's like 0.5 br or something, right. or 0.5 ar or something, rather. But uh, once you lived in the one bedroom, you can't go down to a studio. You can't. It's got to get bigger and bigger. So yeah, yeah. Long, long no basement short. apartments at that point. 
No, 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 not at all. But uh, that's what we're working on right now. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, the the thing of COVID is that it, it kind of delayed a lot of independent film because if you look at like you know having to pay twenty or thirty percent or over what you're trying to budget the film for, like it's already t tough enough to get five million dollars, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find another one point five if I need to pay thirty percent over what I'm paying, let's say. So it becomes very difficult. It's it's more of a, a point of, thing at that point that you just wait to make a mm -hmm. film, you know, and so that's what we've kind of been doing. But I think it'll all come out like a bunch of films uh, when we get really into business for in the, on the independent side, let's say. But uh, some of these things might be on some, you know, I can't say some some interesting streamers. When, uh, when you can say, people can. Men look at everything that you mentioned and find out where to find the things that are awesome. And let's be honest, I'll probably talk about them a little bit too uh, on this podcast. But you can check out Spooky underscore score doings on Instagram, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. We're trying to get a show in October at the Magnet Theater. So I mean, if that happens, you'll find all the information there. And I'm back on Twitter at Rick Guzman 718. Thank you very much to the both of you being a part of this show i truly appreciate it it's been wonderful and to everybody stay good stay healthy stay spooky so much fun thank you thank you so much uh Naomi. thank you